It's time for Truth Unfiltered with Pastor Chad Harvey. Thanks a lot. It's been a hard week, a stressful week, and I came to church to get encouraged, and all y'all talking about is Antichrist, fire and brimstone and false prophets. Well, I want you to understand this. I want you to leave here today and understand that the purpose of the Bible telling you all about the Antichrist is not to freak you out. It's to remind you that as bad as it gets, in the end, Jesus is the last man standing, and we're going to come back with him. We will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. We need to have a shift in our brains, honestly. We need to take our brains from being defensive to being offensive. There's got to be that shift. And the book of Revelation is written to help you have that shift in your brain. That's Chad Harvey. And welcome to today's broadcast of Truth Unfiltered. We're glad you're here. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, leading you to a deeper understanding of the Bible by putting the scriptures in context, emphasizing how God's Word applies to our daily lives. We invite you to join us and allow the Holy Spirit to bring truth unfiltered to you. Here's Pastor Chad. John didn't understand the technology back then. All John sees is this man that has a two-dimensional image. Suddenly, now this image comes to life and talks. Hey, and you know that's real popular in churches today that have multi-site campuses? Like, uh, you know, over the North Raleigh campus, they're watching me on a screen right now. But a lot of these innovative churches, they're actually doing a pastor of their preaching with a hologram, holographic image. You say, a pastor? Would you ever do that? No, that, that scares me to death. Not the technology, the price of something like that. I, I'm just, I tremble. I wake up at night in a cold sweat thinking, oh man, how much does that thing cost? I'm as, I'm as cheap as they come. So hey, look, but, but that seems to be what's happening now with this, um, this, this prophet. He brings the image as it were to life and now says, everybody, you've got to worship this image. Verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, um, there's some type of, it could be a barcode. It could be some type of biometric thing that is given to everybody who will bow down and worship the beast. Now watch, a lot of y'all are scared of barcodes, okay? They, 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 they scare you. And chips scare you. The, the issue here is not the barcode or the chip. The issue is pledging your loyalty to the Antichrist so that you can get the bar and chip, okay? And uh, something the uh, prohibition in the Torah against people getting tattoos might be in anticipation to this day. I'm not trying to offend you because 90% of y'all here have tattoos. I've never seen so many tattoos in all my life. But, but so I'm not, I'm not bashing that. I'm just saying the Old Testament warned against that and it might be in anticipation to this. We're just not sure. And verse 17 says, no one can buy or sell without that mark. In other words, you can't be involved in commerce. Now, what that probably mean is It's a cashless society. You go to a store to buy groceries, and they say, we're sorry, we don't take credit cards here. We only take the mark here. You go to pay your mortgage. Sorry, we don't take cash, and we don't take credit. All we take is the mark here. 
And so that's probably what John is saying. When he also says you can't buy or sell without the mark, I wonder if what he also means is, if you don't take the mark, you can't get a job. If you don't take the mark, you get fired. And as a result, you don't have any money to buy or to sell. See, this is inconceivable in the first century. Hey, it was inconceivable uh, for us up until a couple years ago that people could have things implanted in them that would buy and sell. We couldn't even, but now we're here, aren't we? And in fact, one man who grew up in um, Bulgaria under communism and experienced the totalitarian communist regime in uh, Bulgaria said this, listen to this. You cannot understand and you cannot know that the most terrible instrument of persecution ever devised is an innocent ration card. You cannot buy or sell anything except according to that little card. If they please, you can be starved to death. If they please, you can be dispossessed of everything you have. You cannot trade, you cannot buy, you cannot sell without it. And somehow that number 666, in fact, when I told you I was going to preach on Revelation, I guarantee you 80% of y'all thought Mark of the Beast is 666. What's a, so I've been waiting, a, a pastor, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. What does 666 mean? I don't know. We, nobody knows, okay? So don't email me because I know y'all are going to say, no, 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 I know what it is. No, you don't know. Nobody knows what it is. Everybody makes guesses and everybody gets it wrong. Like when Reagan became president, people started to say, wait, Ronald, that's six letters. Wilson, that's six letters. Reagan, that's 666. Ronald Reagan's the Antichrist. Well, he wasn't the Antichrist. And so we, we guess. We don't know what 666 means, but we'll know once, um, once the tribulation comes. And in chapter 16, verse 2, God gets his revenge on all the people that took the mark. There's some kind of physical reaction that people who developed this mark were not expecting. Horrible, painful, malignant sores break out on the bodies of everybody who took the mark. We're not sure what happened. Maybe uh, for a political expediency, maybe the FDA pushes this through without enough, enough investigation. We don't know. And so, and so that's what's going to happen here during the last days. And in chapter 14, verse 9, here's what God finally does. Now, this is how serious taking the mark so you can go get some groceries is in the final days. Chapter 14, verse 9. Then a third angel, this is what happens to those who take the mark. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name that's what happens to those who take the mark now um i said this before our parking lot's getting kind of full and it's time for me to clear out the parking lot a little bit so can we talk about something we've not talked about before (laughs) can we talk about the vaccine for a few minutes y'all okay talking about that okay all right so uh, let me tell you the thing about the vaccine Three quick thoughts. Number one, it is not a sin to get the vaccine. You know what it means when you have a rule that is not in the Bible and you start imposing that rule on other people, that's called legalism. That's Pharisaism. You can't say it is a sin to get the the vaccine. Some of y'all getting about that close from making this a moral issue. It's not a moral issue. And one of the reasons I know, 
is some of those godly people I know, people who are 10 times more godly than me, have gotten the vaccine. And so you don't do that thing of, of, of it's a sin. In fact, last week, a lady came up to me and, um, and she's like, uh, Pastor, you know, I need to tell you something, uh, something that I did. And uh, I, I know you're going to be upset. And, uh, and she's going on. I thought, what, we're going to find a chopped up body in her freezer? I mean, what, what's going on here? And she finally said, oh, yeah, I, got, I got the vaccine. I said, why are you apologizing to me? Did you pray about it? She said, yeah, I prayed about it. Did you feel Jesus told you to do it? Yeah. I said, then I'm not going to judge you. You pray about it and do what Jesus tells you to do. But you can't, it's not a sin. That's ridiculous. It's not a sin. That's number one. Number two, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast takes place during the tribulation. We're not in the tribulation right now. To get the mark of the beast, you have to renounce Jesus. Those of y'all in here who got the vaccine, did y'all have to renounce Jesus before they gave you the vaccine? No. So this is not the mark of the beast, okay? But I will say this. What I've just read gives you a preview of how the mark of the beast is going to happen here on planet Earth. One of my friends has put it this way. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast, but it is the John the Baptist of the mark of the beast. And again, five years ago, if you would have told me that the day is going to come where if you don't get a mark in your arm, then you can't work and you can't go to school. I said, no, you're talking about the tribulation. No, I'm not talking about the tribulation. That's going to happen here in America. I said, you're crazy. We're, we're at those days right now. And so, um, again, you, you pray about it. If Jesus tells you to, 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 to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. I'm not going to judge you on that. Some of y'all have investigated that and you feel you're supposed to get it. And y'all throwing all the emails at me. I'm, I'm overloaded with information pro and against vaccine. So you just pray about it and do what Jesus tells you to do, okay? You pray about it. If Jesus tells you to get it, because I'm going to be misunderstood. If Jesus tells you to get it, go get it. I don't, it, it doesn't bother me, okay? But something, I'm just telling you, something is not adding up here. You know, John MacArthur told a bunch of uh, youth recently, Pastor MacArthur said, youth, if y'all going to survive in this generation, you need two things. Number one, you need courage. And number two, you need critical thinking. And the critical thinking thing is gone in America. And so it protects you, but, but you need to get it to protect those of us who are vaccinated. In fact, explain this to me. The protected need to be protected from the unprotected by forcing the unprotected to use the protection that didn't protect the protected. It, it doesn't make any sense to me, okay? So anyway... But if you feel like you're supposed to get it, I'm serious, get it. We love you. You're still welcome here at this church. All right, so other traits of this coming world leader known as the Antichrist. Number one, he will make a seven-year peace treaty with the Jews. That's Daniel 9, 27. I'm not going to go through all the different scripture references, but he's a financier. We see that in Revelation and in Ezekiel. He's a great speaker. We see that in Daniel and Revelation. He's a genius. He's a religious leader. He will initially come in peace. Now, keep that word peace in mind. Because in a few minutes, I'm going to be reminding you that Islam means peace. He will come in peace. He's possibly a homosexual or celibate. Because Daniel 11.37 says, He will show no regard for the desire of women. Which leads some scholars to either believe he's a homosexual or maybe he's celibate. And if he's celibate, some have wondered, is maybe he a pope? We're not sure. He's a miracle worker, 2 Thessalonians 2.9. And he's possibly from the ancient Assyrian Empire. Micah 5, Isaiah 10, Isaiah 14 seem to indicate that he might come from the ancient Assyrian Empire. Where's the Assyrian Empire? Look at this map, I'll show you. This is the ancient Assyrian Empire, okay? 
And so possibly um, these passages are pointing us to the fact that he will have been from somewhere in that area. He also may be a Muslim. Daniel, now look, in just a second, I'm gonna share some things with you from Islam. And if there was a Muslim scholar sitting right there, he would say, I agree with everything Chad just said. Now, I don't agree with his conclusions, but what Chad is saying is actually true. So I'm not bashing Muslims. I'm just telling you what Muslims say in their own uh, writings. But Daniel 9.27 says that, the, um, that the, the Antichrist is gonna be from the ancient Roman Empire. Well, Pastor, let me ask you, how could he be from the Middle East and a Muslim and still be from the Roman Empire? Well, you forget the Roman Empire actually had two legs. And you see this vision in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel 2 is fascinating. In fact, scholars are now trying to redate Daniel because they said there's no way a guy could have guessed several centuries before the Roman Empire comes along. He couldn't have guessed that. He had to have been after it. So anyway, two legs of the ancient Roman Empire. One was the western leg. But we forget there was an eastern leg called the Byzantine Empire. And here's where the Byzantine Empire was. Look at that. And if you look at that, there is some overlap between that and the Assyrian Empire, specifically right there in Turkey and in Syria. And so that's why I've wondered, is the Antichrist going to come from Turkey or, uh, or Syria? The Antichrist will, will construct a coalition with the country of Magog to invade Israel according to Ezekiel 38. And there are eight specific nations that are going to be part of that alliance. Did you know that today, every one of those eight countries are a Muslim country? The Muslims talk about a, you know Muslims have an eschatology. We, we Christians are not the only ones that have a doctrine of the end times. Muslims do as well. And they believe that there is coming this great hero called the Mahdi, M-A-H-D-I. And we learn about the Mahdi from the Quran and from the Hadith. The Hadith is basically the traditions of Islam. And, um, and if you pull some of these, these um, hints together from the Quran and the Hadith about what this great Mahdi, this great hero that the Muslims are waiting for is going to be like, here's some traits of him. See if this sounds familiar. He will be a global leader. He will be loved and almost worshipped by everybody. Ancient Islamic tradition says, quote, all the inhabitants of the earth will deeply love him. Allah will sow the love of him in the hearts of all people. The Mahdi appears. Everyone talks only about him, drinks the love of him, and never talks about anything other than him. He will, ta- he will make a seven-year peace treaty with the Jews. He will arrive on a white horse. He will initially come as a man of peace. He will slaughter Jews and Christians. He will be based in Jerusalem from the Dome of the Rock. Does this guy sound familiar? Their Mahdi is our Antichrist, I believe. And in fact, he will be assisted by a prophet just like the Antichrist in Romans 13. But do you know who the prophet is that's going to assist him? They say it's Jesus. Jesus is going to come back and say, all you Christians, you got it wrong. I now want to point to the Mahdi. My job is to tell y'all how great the Mahdi is. In fact, if you go to the, the main square in Tehran today, there's a giant mural there, and there's a picture of the Mahdi, and who is following him but his prophet, Jesus Christ. And so the final destination of this Antichrist, whoever he is, Revelation 19.20, here's how he ends up. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And that's how this ends. Now here's what some of y'all are saying. 
Thanks a lot. It's been a hard week, a stressful week, and I came to church to get encouraged, and all y'all talking about is antichrist, fire, and brimstone, and false prophets. Well, I want you to understand this. I want you to leave here today and understand that the purpose of the Bible telling you all about the antichrist is not to freak you out. It's to remind you that as bad as it gets, in the end, Jesus is the last man standing and we're gonna come back with him. We will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. We need to have a shift in our brains, honestly. We need to take our brains from being defensive to being offensive. There's gotta be that shift. And the book of Revelation is written to help you have that shift in your brain. I heard a story years ago of uh, these two men in the pioneer days in Alaska. It's back when Alaska was untamed of the wild, wild west. And uh, they went there to try to make a living, make, them, make their mark. And uh, they found out the wolf problem was really, really bad. Wolves were just ravaging. And so the governor of Alaska got so tired of it, he said, I'm now going to give $5,000 for every wolf anybody kills and brings back in. So these two guys said, well, that's how we're going to make our money. And so they go camping out of the middle of nowhere, hundreds of miles from anybody. And in the middle of the night, they hear something and they turn on their lantern and they are surrounded by ravenous wolves baring their teeth. And the one guy woke up the other guy. He said, Charlie, we're rich. <laughs> All right, listen, <laughs> I'm here to poke you and say, it may be looking bad out there, but we're rich. We have the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Stop being on the defensive and let's start going on the offensive. In fact, I love this great quote from G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> I love this. Chesterton said, there is one taste of paradise on earth. What is that? The one taste of paradise on earth is to fight in a losing battle and not lose. And at times we may feel like we're in a losing battle, but we're not, and we're destined to win. And so, how did I close out this sermon? I decided to rip off another pastor since plagiarism is so popular among pastors today. I decided to rip off another pastor and, uh, and say, here's how he ended his teaching. In 2 Thessalonians 2, he has taught his church on the Antichrist. And it's time for him to close down that teaching. And here's how that teacher did it. Y'all have heard him before. His name is the Apostle Paul. So he has just freaked his people out like I freaked y'all out today. And then he says this, 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work. He's just preached on the Antichrist and then he says, now church, three things. Number one, he says, stand firm. Stand firm. Now what does that mean? That's a good Bible term. All right, let, let me give you, here's another thing that it means. Stand firm or don't compromise. Amen. Beloved, compromise is killing our churches today. Amen. I'm going to give you some analogies. I'm not saying y'all stop drinking. Y'all just do whatever Jesus tells you to do on that one as well. Let me give you an analogy. I've seen this happen so many times. Somebody will get saved. I just let a guy to the Lord a little while back. Same thing happened. Get saved. Alcoholic, drug addict gets delivered on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. And after a couple months, he utters those horrible words. Just one beer. 
And instead of standing firm, he compromises. And I've seen this happen so many times. One beer turns into a six-pack. And six-pack turns to hard liquor. And three months later, he's right back where he started from. He did not stand firm. Let me give you another example. You were delivered from porn addiction. God supernaturally, miraculously delivered you. And you've been walking in freedom for a couple years. And then all of a sudden, one picture. One movie. And one movie turns to a two and three and four. And suddenly you're back in the mess again. I've seen that with theology. In this church, I've had some solid leaders in this church get sucked into this woke stuff. And they say, just this once, we will compromise and we will ally ourselves with an anti-father, anti-family, pro-gay organization just this once. And they do one compromise. And these same people now, their theology is a train wreck right now. Why? Because they did not stand firm. Some of y'all have done that with your families. We're the kind of family that goes to church every Sunday. But you know what? This Sunday, Junior is out at soccer practice too late. We'll, We'll skip today. And two weeks from now, you know what? I just don't feel like getting yelled at today. I don't think I'll go to church. And then over time, you start making these comp. Listen to me. Paul says, these are dangerous times. These are not times to play around with. Stand firm and don't compromise. And then the second thing he says is, hold on to the traditions given to you. Do you see this? He says, by word or epistle. In other words, what he's saying is, y'all go to church, y'all go to your small group, y'all go whatever. You listen to the word of God preached. That's verbal. Faith cometh by what? Hearing, and that by the word of God. So Paul says, you gotta be in the word when it's preached, and he says, or by epistle, or written. Folks, everything is changing. And it's very disorienting to see things changing left and right. I was told five years ago, stop eating butter, start eating margarine. Now I'm told margarine's bad for you. Go back to butter. Y'all can't keep jerking me around like this. Do I do butter or do I do margarine? What? You know? You need one thing that doesn't change. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Be students of the word. But Paul goes a little further here, and I might be reading into this thing. But he says, hold on to the traditions. That's an interesting word. The Greek word in in Greek, paradosis, it literally means something that has been handed down. He doesn't use the normal word for teaching. He literally uses the word tradition. I know that's a bad word today, particularly in a church like ours. We don't want to be traditional. I'm starting to see there's something comforting in tradition. I, um, I get a little uncomfortable when our churches think that we need to be as cool and trendy as the rest of the world. And um, look, I love our praise and worship music stuff, but here's the problem with a lot of praise and worship music. If I use praise and worship that's three months old, y'all start yawning, that's the old stuff. Three months old, that's the old stuff? And there's something comforting, I'll, I'll be honest. Listening to them today, singing those hymns, and reminding my granny, and, and there's just something comforting about that. In fact, Joseph Sobrand says this, it can be exalting to belong to a church that is 500 years behind the times and sublimely indifference to fashion. It is mortifying to belong to a church that's five minutes behind the time, huffing and puffing to catch up. Well, and even church attendance. Look, I'm not just saying this because I want to grow my church. Your family needs stability. Your kids need to know One day, every week, we get up early and we go to church. And they're going to fight you on it. Why do I have to go and hear that man yell? 
and why do I have to get up early? And uh, as we leave the neighborhood, everybody else's cars in the driveway, they're still asleep. Why do we have to do that? And you use the word, you use the dirty word. You say, because it's our tradition. We're the kind of family that every Sunday morning, we get up and we go to church. And you may not like it, and I know you want to sleep in. And I know it's, it's tough, but you got five minutes to get your rear into that car, because we're leaving in five minutes, and don't make daddy spank you, okay? And so there's something powerful about traditions. And so stand firm. Hold to the traditions given to you. And then he says this, basically, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look at this beautiful doxology that he closes with. He's just talking about the Antichrist. Here's some of y'all's problem. Y'all looking for the Antichrist when you should be looking for the Christ. And he's just given this, this teaching on the Antichrist, and he closes with this doxology. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us, and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Isn't that amazing? After talking about the Antichrist and all this, Paul says this, but, but, but look, put your eyes back on Jesus. Get your focus back on Christ. I read this this past week. Every major Christian thinker and leader throughout turbulent times They've all said the same thing. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Corey Tim Boom, you know who she was? World War II. She goes to a concentration camp. Her family is slaughtered. They're trying to hide Jews. Very turbulent times. <laughs> Do you know what Corey Tim Boom's advice was handling these tough times? Here's what she said Look at the world and be distressed, look within and be depressed. Look at him and be at rest. Isn't that great? I love that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Thanks for joining us for today's Truth Unfiltered broadcast. We invite you to join us again next time for more great teaching from Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church of Raleigh. There are currently two locations, Yonkers Road right off the Beltline near Capitol Boulevard and the North Raleigh campus near Triangle Town Center. But a celebration to soon launch a third campus will be coming in Benson. Cross Assembly believes in building people up and sending out spirit-filled agents of local and global transformation. So missions is part of the core value at Cross Assembly. You're invited to continue listening here on the radio or join in Sundays online or on campus. Visiting crossassembly.org to find out more about Cross Assembly and how you can get connected. That's crossassembly.org. We were starting a process through the private adoption agency. We were presented with the foster care system and the opportunity to become foster parents. Got a referral for our first daughter. Doctors said she might not walk. There has been severe trauma in the head. She might not see. She might not be able to move. I asked the nurse, can we hold her? And she said yes. About an hour and a half, almost two hours. I remember holding her and praying, God, is this what you want for us and our family? Heal this baby. Touch her. The next day when we came back, the nurse and the doctors were amazed. They were asking us, what did you do to this baby after you left? 
she started moving, she started reacting, she started tracing something that she hadn't done in about a month that she had been there. I know a lot of people said, I don't understand how you can foster where they can be at your home one minute and then maybe a month later when you're starting to get attached, the social worker says, okay, there's a family placement or there's someone else that will be adapting the child. And we said, even if it's for one night, we know that they're in a safe home. We know that they will be loved and we know that we have the opportunity to show Christ to them. Please pray for the kids in the foster system. Please pray for more people to open up their hearts, to open up their homes. There's opportunities, whether it be supporting a family that has adopted either privately or through foster system. Feels good that our family adopted three little girls. I can't imagine my sisters not being a part of our family because they mean so much to us. And we felt like God was calling us to do that. Maybe God, God's calling you to adopt. If you would like more information about Pastor Chad or Cross Assembly, visit crossassembly.org. Again, that's crossassembly.org. You're always welcome to visit us at any of our locations for Sunday morning services. You'll find locations and service times on our website. To support this ministry, text CROSS to 45777. That's CROSS to 45777. Join us again next time for more teaching with Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor of Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, and more of God's truth unfiltered. Unfiltered.